almost four years since the North Carolina General Assembly passed the STOP Act of 2017. The law imposed a whole host of new requirements related to opioid prescribing, which have all gone into effect over the past few years. All that is but one. I'm Jean Fisher-Brinkley, and this is MedBoard Matters. Thank you for joining me. On this episode, we are talking about that final provision, the so-called mandatory use provision. It goes into effect on July 7th. As of that date, controlled substances prescribers must check a patient's 12-month prescription history before writing a new script for any Schedule II or Schedule III opioid or narcotic. These two schedules include painkillers such as OxyContin, Percocet, and Vicodin. The STOP Act aims to prevent inappropriate or excessive prescribing by making the prescriber check a database that lets them see what other controlled substances the patient may already be taking. It's known as the Controlled Substances Reporting System, or CSRS. Now, CSRS has been around for a while, and to be honest, medical professionals have mixed feelings about it. Most prescribers acknowledge that knowing what other controlled substances their patient is receiving and who prescribed them is useful. But many CSRS users find the system too cumbersome and say it simply slows them down too much. Complaints of this sort are frankly why it has taken four years for the mandatory use provision to go into effect. It was written right into the STOP Act that mandatory use of CSRS could not be required until the State Department of Health and Human Services made system upgrades. And that's just what NCDHHS has been working on for the past few years. You'll hear about some of the improvements a little later in the episode. But first, a little CSRS 101 for those of you who may need a refresher. NCCSRS was authorized by a 2005 state law, and the system launched in 2007. Basically, it's a database of all controlled substances dispensed in outpatient pharmacies across North Carolina. When a pharmacy dispenses a prescription to a patient, the pharmacy sends the patient's name, the drug received, the dose and quantity of pills, and the name of the prescriber to CSRS. Pharmacies are encouraged under the law to report this information within 24 hours of dispensing the prescription. That's how NCCSRS gets the information. When a patient visits a medical professional and controlled substances are considered as a treatment option, the prescriber can look up that patient's prescription history to see what other controlled substances they've received recently and from who. The medical professional can use the information in the database to assess whether prescribing controlled substances is advisable. For example, if the patient is taking benzodiazepines, prescribers generally try to avoid prescribing opioids or narcotics because taking them together can increase the patient's risk of overdose. Another scenario could involve a patient who is getting controlled substances from multiple prescribers, which could raise concerns about drug seeking and doctor shopping. The point is for the prescriber to have this information before he or she issues a prescription for controlled substances so they can avoid inappropriate or excessive prescribing. While we're on the topic of doctor shopping, I want to pause and note that CSRS was established as a tool to help clinicians improve quality of care. They can do this, again, by avoiding inappropriate prescribing and also by intervening to offer substance use treatment to patients who need it. CSRS distributes a do's and don'ts flyer that urges prescribers not to use CSRS data to exclude a patient from care, to dismiss a patient from the practice without a referral for treatment, or to report suspected doctor shoppers to the police if CSRS data is their only source of information. 
In the dues column, CSRS advises prescribers to discuss any findings with the patient and asks prescribers to give patients who say CSRS is an error the benefit of the doubt. Errors happen. CSRS advises contacting the dispensing pharmacy to verify prescription information directly. If that doesn't resolve the issue, email nccsrs at dhhs.nc.gov. One last tidbit I'd like to share is that while NCCSRS started by providing information only about controlled substances dispensed in North Carolina, it has grown over the years. Today, CSRS is integrated with 42 other states and the federal VA system, so users can tailor their patient searches accordingly to see if medications are being obtained outside of North Carolina pharmacies. I recently had the opportunity to speak with Stephanie Johnson with the North Carolina Controlled Substances Reporting System. Stephanie is manager of the PDMP Utilization Project for CSRS. Basically, she's in charge of making sure pharmacies and prescribers know how to use the system correctly. I learned a lot about the system upgrades and how they make CSRS faster and easier to use, and I hope you will too. One note, Stephanie mentioned several resources, including email addresses and websites. You'll find all of that information on the Episode 11 show page, which you can visit at www.ncmedboard.org forward slash podcast. Um, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. As we've been discussing on the podcast so far, mandatory use goes into effect on July 7th. While many prescribers are no doubt already using CSRS, some are not. Let's talk about how a prescriber can get started. Absolutely. So there are two different ways that a prescriber can use the CSRS. So the first way is going to be through PMP Aware web portal. And then the second way is going to be through the electronic health record integration. So the state has made it really easy to register and is currently covering the cost of integration for the electronic health record systems via the CSRS gateway. Okay. So Yeah, so it's a wonderful incentive that they have that will make the prescriber's life easier, for sure. We could talk about that here in a second um, on how that works and, and really about that speed. So if your practice is not yet integrated, there are a few steps to get the ball rolling. So uh, first, there needs to be the administrative decision maker um, filling out what we call the integration request form. And then there is an NC prescriber list form. From there, there is also a licensee questionnaire and then just a terms and conditions form. So in total, there are just going to be four documents that need to be completed to begin the process of integration. So uh, we also have provided those links. I believe you said that you were going to be able to share them. So that's going to be... Perfect. So that's going to be a fantastic way, um, quick and easy click links, right? So that's always helpful. Um, And then some information on kind of how we will be able to assist you during that integration process, um, how to set it up in general, and then further using it um, as a clinical tool. Okay. Now, can you just pause? And uh, I have to admit, um, I hadn't really thought about the EHR integration piece. So can you, um, wh- who is that for? Um, I guess I've, as I think about this issue, I think mostly about an individual prescriber registering for access and then using the system. 
So are there different pathways for people to use? Great question. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you can log in individually through the PMP Aware web portal and then perform those searches. You can absolutely do that. It is more cumbersome and it does take um, a longer amount of time. Okay. So if the, the hospital systems or the practice has their EHR integrated through our gateway, then it is a lot quicker, uh, a, a lot easier to access. And okay. then, um, yeah, and, and it's, it's a wonderful tool to make it as seamless as possible. Wonderful. Okay. So that would definitely be something, you know, if uh, hopefully if you practice in a hospital-based setting, you know, hospitals are communicating with their prescribers about this. But it sounds like, you know, anyone with EHR could qualify for this integration could and participate that way. Is that right? Essentially, yes. So we are working with a company called Apris, and they have done a fantastic job at integrating many, many hospital systems and, and larger EHRs. And just to see if, if your EHR is currently compatible, then we can get that process going to check. Now, the other way around that, um, I can speak on um, a bit more, and that mm-hmm. is if your EHR is not uh, currently um, accessible by the system, then you can actually use the North Carolina Health Connex. So the state HIE, that is also a possibility. Okay, great. Well, wow. So it sounds like there's lots of different ways in and we definitely will provide links to these resources on our podcast show page so that listeners will be able to access that because that would will be important for some people. So I imagine, you know, some prescribers are going to need a little help getting started, especially solo practitioners, people in small practices. Anyone who's just starting from zero is probably going to need a little help getting started running queries, just learning the system. And I wondered if you could talk about some of the resources that are available in that regard. Absolutely. So we have developed uh, two series of support videos, and we do have them um, accessible on our new webpage. So the, the first series is up and ready to go, and that is the tool that will cover how to edit your profile, how to add delegates, how to perform a search, and then also how to search for your own prescribing history, because that's going to be important, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Being sure that your license um, is protected. So it's really a great way to introduce yourself to the system and learn those basic functionalities. So we run you all the way through that on that video series, but then we also give one-on-one technical assistance. Within the system, once you get in and play around, if you, if you have not done that yet, there is some information on quick links that will help uh, with the supporting documentation from the CDC. So you'll have the overdose risk score on there, also known as the NARCS care score, um, right. and how to how to use those, right? Because there's a lot of numbers. So um, what those numbers mean, and then how to use them um, functionally for the best uh, practice for that patient. Okay. So you mentioned one-on-one assistance. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that is something that I know over the years, you know, the medical board has received a number of calls and questions. It's a regular topic of inquiry for our licensees. They frequently will contact the medical board because there's not, they're not sure who to reach out for, for assistance. Tell me about how one-on-one assistance is going to be available directly from CSRS. 
Yeah, so that is my role. So I will be here to offer uh, one-on-one technical assistance, and that uh, is accessible by just emailing us at csrs.utilization at dhhs.nc.gov. So that's another link that uh, you'll be able to give out to licensees. And mm-hmm. and not only that, but uh, I have been working with the North Carolina AHEC system on providing education through substance use coalition groups and uh, be able to award some CEs uh, for Great. certain education opportunities. Yeah, so, so far we've delivered education to 13 counties and um, I am taking requests to speaking to more. So if prescribers are members of a coalition or if um, they want to get their local health departments or health systems involved, please just send me an email and we will get that going for you and hopefully be able to get you some um, some credits as well because okay. that's always nice. Yeah. Great. So if you're a prescriber in the listening audience, how would you find out about those opportunities that you just mentioned? So a lot of them are generally discussed within the smaller coalition groups. Okay, so I know that for some of the ones that we have done, we've been also working in partnership with the Governor's Institute. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's really just through those networking events. Okay. Um, But again, if you just wanted to have them email me, um, we can set those up and get them going. Okay, great. But also people should probably just be keeping their ear to the ground and listening for opportunities in their communities and in their networks. Absolutely. And we are looking at other ways that we can push out that information. Okay. Now, um, can you give some examples of the types of challenges or problems that might warrant um, someone contacting you and asking for one-on-one technical assistance? Um, I don't know actually how many controlled substance prescribers we have, but I know that the North Carolina Medical Board licenses more than 50,000 physicians and PAs. You're one person. I imagine you don't want everybody emailing you. So could you give a little guidance about the types of issues that are sort of most appropriate for one-on-one assistance? So the majority of the questions for technical assistance that I have received thus far really just involves the the system. So um, having errors come up when they're trying to navigate through the CSRS, things like that, we're definitely here to help on that. Um, Okay. Yeah, and it's it's something too where you know more recently we've had some um, requests on integration and really how it is important throughout all of the ways that we can reach the systems. So it's interesting because as of our last count, the PDMP is integrated with actually 42 other states as well as the VA and other federal health systems. Mm-hmm. And that can bring in some differences, right? So we have had some questions about um, those type of searches. Uh, with the country's population being more transient than in the past, right. uh, this level of reach has been extraordinary uh, for the continuity of patient prescription case management. But that also applies to search history. So if you're having questions on searching, if you're having questions on delegate searching, then that is what that technical assistance for one-on-one can be for. Um, Stephanie, you mentioned early on the difference between a practice that's integrated and a practice that's not integrated. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that, just so that our listeners understand what group they're in and what the implications are. Yeah, I can definitely do that. And I think what is most important to to take away um, from this question is that being integrated into the system has its 
advantages. So first and foremost, uh, the biggest advantage of being integrated in with the system through the gateway is that the latest study for patient search time uh, for those that are integrated is only three seconds versus a non-integrated search time that would take around four minutes. So Yes, that's a huge difference. And that plays a part into delegates, right? So uh, four minutes is a long time, especially, you know, if you're in a tight time frame for that one-on-one with, with the patient. So the other good thing about being integrated into the system is that you don't need delegates to perform the searches for you. So not only is it faster, but you don't need to have someone else perform the search via the web portal. And then be able to attach it to a note. So it just saves even more time, not only for the prescriber, but then for the office as a whole so that you can focus more on direct patient care. So again, integrating into the CSRS search with your electronic health record system completely eliminates the need for delegates to search on your behalf. So integrating automatically requests the search and delivers the link to the report straight into the patient's record. Wow, that's great. Now, I feel compelled, though, to sort of pause and, and talk about delegates because, you know, as I mentioned, um, you know, the the medical board, this is a requirement that has been known to our licensees for going on four years now since the STOP Act was passed. So the medical board has been encouraging its licensees to go ahead and register and learn the system so that they would be ready. And one of the techniques or strategies that we've been recommending in order to manage the workflow um, of this is we've been telling people, don't forget about delegate accounts. So we've actually been encouraging people to use delegates, but it sounds like with the system upgrades, integration is actually the better option. Is that right? Yeah, that's a great point. So let me talk a little bit about the history of delegates and where they still would be important. Okay, Okay? So the CSRs began allowing delegate accounts in 2014, uh, where an already approved user could delegate the task of running queries to someone else in the office, right? So that's typically going to be the RNs, medical assistants, things of that nature. Um, They are labeled in the system as non-licensed. So that's also important to note uh, when you're looking at the supervision aspect. But delegates, must register through the CSRS website, and they must be assigned to a specific prescriber. Mm-hmm. So uh, they need to have their own individual username and password. And uh, definitely, there is never a scenario where a prescriber would share their username or password for a delegate. Right. Um, yeah, so there was it was my understanding that there were some concerns with that. But as of right now, those delegates can use the web portal to do patient searches and then attach them to the notes. So if a practice or a prescriber is not integrated into the system, Uh, where it is done automatically, like I just discussed, then yes, the delegates would still need to go in and and enter it in through the uh, web portal because they don't um, have that immediate access to the EHRs. So in those instances, if you are not integrated into the system, then yeah, definitely using delegates to enter in that information will cut down drastically on on the speed that you're able to deliver on that one-on-one patient interaction. Okay. Um, it's almost, you almost need a decision tree, you know, to sort of be like, <laughs> is this your situation? If this, then that. Um, right. Is this information covered in the resources that CSRS has prepared? 
A lot of them are, yes. I do okay. have a link to, there's a, a user guide uh, that will help the prescriber know like when those delegates um, can be used and like how to manage them on your dashboard because uh, that okay. is going to be big. So being sure that your dashboard is up to date with the, the delegates that you have allocated that responsibility to. Okay, great. Well, Stephanie, that's all I had for you. Um, I always like to ask, you know, is there anything else that I have not asked you um, that you would like to add? I think we covered uh, quite a bit and just thank you again for the time. And again, if anyone would like more information, you know, I am available. We can do one-on-one. We can do small practice groups as well as larger coalition groups. So just let me know and um, we will be here to help however we can. That's marvelous. Well, thank you very much for joining me and for the work that you're doing to support controlled substances prescribers. Thank you, Jean. Again, you can find links to the resources Stephanie just mentioned on the podcast show page by visiting www.ncmedboard.org forward slash podcast. Another useful resource is the North Carolina Medical Board's CSRS page, which you can find at www.ncmedboard.org forward slash NCCSRS. We'll go ahead and link to it from the show page as well. brings us to the end of this episode of MedBoard Matters. I hope you found the information helpful. If you did, consider telling your friends and colleagues about our podcast or share this episode with them. And remember, your comments, questions, and suggestions are always welcome. If you are a controlled substances prescriber, we would especially love to hear from you. Where are you with efforts to integrate mandatory use into your patient care? What have been the biggest challenges? If it's working well for you, what tips and tricks can you share with your colleagues? Let me know. Email me at podcast at ncmedboard.org. This is Jean Fisher Brinkley. I hope you will join me again. This podcast is produced by the North Carolina Medical Board. The North Carolina Medical Board exists for the benefit and protection of the people of North Carolina.